This is episode number 134, Inside Tracker, taking a selfie from the inside via blood work for athletes. Welcome to the Sonia Looney Show. This is a podcast about how to live a high-performance life, spanning the categories of mindset, plant-based nutrition, sports science, and inspiring stories to help you be better every day. I'm stoked you guys are hanging out with me today, and thank you so much for being a subscriber to the show. And if you haven't hit subscribe yet, make sure you do so you don't miss out on the 10-minute Crush It Monday episodes where I do a solo episode with a thought, habit, or contemplation to get your week off to a powerful start. And I also publish a one-hour episode on Thursdays with an expert in a category covered by the show. Also, thank you so much for the reviews you guys have been leaving. Without you, the show would not have achieved the level of success that it already has. And I wanted to say a big thank you because this podcast has been ranked in the top 20 very consistently in the mental health category in Apple Podcasts for quite some time. And I'm really excited about that. I'm excited that people who are looking to be better and to improve their mental health are finding this show. And that's pretty cool. It's a huge honor. And also the show has been ranked in the top 50 in all of fitness and nutrition in iTunes and Apple Podcasts. So that has been a huge honor as well. And I wouldn't have been able to do it without you, without your subscriptions, your reviews, and without my team that helps me put on the show. So thanks so much for your support. And big thank you to those of you supporting my work financially on Patreon. It's patreon.com slash the Sonia Looney show, where you can select to shoot a couple bucks a month or more to the show to help support my work. And supporting my work means supporting my team. And this show would not sound as amazing as it does without my audio producer, Roma, and without my assistant, Tina, who helps this show get published on time and helps me stay in touch with the guests to make sure that everybody is getting booked. All of your support helps more than you know, and I just wanted to say thanks. Also, last before I get into the meat of the show is... Thank you to those of you who have purchased and pre-ordered your Moxie and Grit jerseys. Those have all shipped out. So if you have not received that jersey, send me an email. But everyone who has ordered one should have received one. And good news is I had to guess how many jerseys to order up front, which is a bit of a task. You have to guess and you have to pay for all the jerseys up front. One of the exciting things about running an apparel business And there are a few left over, so a few that didn't get swept up are in the pre-orders. So if you see the jerseys and you decide that you want one, there are a very limited amount left. But if you want to get a man or women's jersey, they are available at moxieandgrit.com in select sizes. So make sure you go check that out. All right, so I'm excited to get into today's podcast, and it's with a company called Inside Tracker. And they use blood work to assess biomarkers, blood analysis, athletic performance, and nutrition software to optimize fitness and longevity. And I first found these guys several years ago. Whenever I first changed my diet, and that was about oh five and a half to six years ago when I changed to a plant-based diet, I was getting regular, meaning like two blood tests a year through the medical system here in Canada just to make sure that my biomarkers were healthy. And I have to admit, when I changed my diet at first, I was worried that I would have nutrient deficiencies because of my education or maybe that I wasn't eating the right things because whenever you make big changes in your life, it can be really intimidating. 
So I was doing regular blood work just to make sure as a check that things were going well. And I'm happy to say that I have actually never been deficient in iron or in B12 or in a lot of the things that people worry about with people eating a plant-based diet. And I think it's important just to kind of know your body. Not everybody absorbs nutrients in the same way. So that's why I wanted to be taking my health into my own hands and taking responsibility for what I was eating and just making sure that I was optimizing my health. So when I found Inside Tracker, I was pretty excited because they use over 30 biomarkers and recommend food and supplements to optimize things like your energy, your cognition, your endurance, your heart health, and more. And I liked it because they also look at things like hormones and mineral profiles and biomarkers, but a typical blood panel is not going to look at your hormone and mineral profiles like Inside Tracker would. And they optimize it based on what your goals are. So it could be different than what blood work through the medical system would recommend. And the cool thing about these guys is like they use food, they recommend diet to help you optimize these. And if you don't eat plant-based, don't worry because they aren't recommending only plant-based diets. You enter in what kind of food you typically eat and what kind of foods you like, and they will only recommend food that you would like to eat. So don't worry about that if you are worried they're going to tell you that you have to eat beans and rice and, and greens, although those things are very healthy for you and will certainly help improve your blood biomarkers. And the pretty cool thing that they told me was that my blood work was the best that they had ever seen out of any athlete they had tested ever. And that was a pretty huge testament to eating a, a plant-based diet, especially as an endurance athlete. And it really gave me a lot of confidence that I was doing the right things for my body to be at my peak performance. So I was pretty excited and I do this test maybe once or twice a year. You can do it four times a year if you want, but it's, it's a really cool way to just open up the hood, see what's happening and just get better. Inside Tracker was founded in 2009 in Boston and in 2009, they started working with professional athletes who wanted to see what all of these biomarkers, hormones, mineral profiles look like. And now it's available to anybody that wants to use it. I like it because the biomarkers will change based on what your goals are. Like not everybody's goal is endurance or peak performance. And as I mentioned, if your goal is better energy, better cognition, better heart health, they actually will optimize it for that as well. I also think it's really important to have a baseline for your hormones and for your blood levels, especially as we start getting older, because you have something to compare it to. Like if you haven't been doing blood work, you don't know where you were at before, so you don't know if it's better or worse. And everybody's blood work is different. So if you're just comparing yourself to the average masses, you don't know if you are ahead or below or where you're actually at relative to you. So I think getting some of these things done can be really helpful, even if you don't want to do it all the time, but just so you have something to compare it to. So today I sat down with accomplished runner and sales manager, Jonathan Levitt from Inside Tracker to get all the information about this. And it's just really fascinating to hear what common issues are and how you can use diet and lifestyle to be healthier, to have better performances and to feel your best. And Inside Tracker gave us a 15% off coupon code. So use Sonia Looney Show in all capitals. And there's no the, it's just Sonia Looney Show. It's also in the show notes. So if you enter Sonia Looney Show as a coupon code at checkout, you get 15% off all of your tests. And that's an awesome deal. So if you want to get started on these Inside Tracker or you're just really curious, 
about what your profile looks like and how to get better, use the code Sonia Looney Show to get 15% off. Awesome. Okay, so here is Jonathan Levitt from Inside Tracker. Welcome to the show, Jonathan. Thanks for having me on. It's so fun to actually get to turn on a microphone and record about Inside Tracker because it's something that I've been using for the last couple of years, and I'm excited to kind of let people know what it's all about. Definitely, and appreciate the opportunity here. It's been fun working with you over the last couple of years. Yeah, so why don't you just go ahead and tell us what Inside Tracker is? Yeah, so as athletes, there are so many decisions that we can make on a daily basis and so much information that we see online and magazines and on TV and all that stuff. Eat this food, don't eat that food, go vegan, go paleo, cut out this, cut out that. Inside Tracker's mission is to help cut through all that clutter and help you understand, okay, who am I and what do I need to do if my goal is boost energy or improve recovery or improve sleep? by using a comprehensive blood test to evaluate the impact of the decisions you're making on a daily basis and to help you understand what are the three to five tweaks or changes to make that will have the biggest impact on helping you achieve your goals. And how is an inside tracker blood test different from one you just get at your doctor? So testing at your doctor is covering metrics often related to disease risk or just general health, making sure that you're not sick today. So It's common to test glucose and cholesterol and pretty much ends at that. And they say, you're normal, come back next year. And so I was just having this conversation earlier today with an athlete and they were saying, oh, what's the difference? And what we feel is the difference is it's not okay to just be not sick. We want to help you be optimal. So not only are we looking at a more comprehensive panel, but we're looking at the values within the context of optimal ranges based on your needs as an athlete or as a human versus you know the fact that you're a human. So we take into account your height, weight, age, gender, activity level, ethnicity, activity type, uh, so as to say that you know a 30-year-old female endurance athlete and a 50-year-old hockey player or a 25-year-old baseball player or a 70-year-old couch potato, they all have very different needs. And if you go to your physician, it's all reflected in the same normal ranges. All of those people are looked at within under the same lens. We're here to say those people have very different needs. They do very different things. And what's right for one person is not necessarily the right thing for the next person. So like online, whenever you've done a blood test, it has all these different biomarkers and different ranges. So you're saying that if somebody is a hockey player versus a runner, those ranges would be different? Correct. Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah. We even see it based on activity level. So I had a friend who Signed up for Inside Tracker when she was coming back from injury. And so when she put in her initial profile, she wasn't running. So she didn't list the fact that she was running, you know, five to six days a week. So when she came back from the injury and she updated her ranges or her activity level, her ranges changed. And she was like, wow, that's wild. I was like, yes, now you get it. You get the point. You know, even the same person with different activities or activity levels needs different things at different points in their in their season. Okay. And can you go into some of the specific biomarkers? Because I noticed that a lot of the biomarkers that are measured, a doctor wouldn't measure them, as you just said. And I, there are ones that you hear about, but they're ones that people may not be aware of or be aware that you guys could even measure. Yeah. So like something like vitamin D, 
We see 35% of our population deficient in vitamin D, which is linked to mood, power, recovery, testosterone, sleep, all this stuff that we want as athletes. And it's generally not tested. And vitamin D is one, testosterone is another. We look at cortisol, which is your body's stress hormone, and it impacts recovery and mood and readiness to train. We look at inflammation so we can help to understand are you recovering appropriately or are there nutritional interventions or, or tweaks to your training that might help you get more out of the work that you're putting in. We look at things like magnesium, so related to sleep quality and muscle repair. And these are all mineral levels or vitamin levels or hormones that are so critical to the success we desire as athletes, but most people are not at risk for them. So a doctor is generally not willing or insurance is not willing to cover it. But again, it's not just being at risk, it's about being optimal. And so our, our research shows that optimal levels of these biomarkers contributes to, like I said, better sleep or better recovery or overall health. Whatever your goal might be, there are six to 10 or so biomarkers that are included in our program that are related to achieving that goal. And something that I thought was really interesting was if you do come up deficient and everybody's deficient in some way, like nobody is going to have a perfect test, the website actually recommends ways to fix it. Now, I think it's really interesting that you guys have an algorithm that can help people design a program to make them get better. So I'd like to talk about supplementation and diet because those are the kind of the two ways that you guys sort of recommend improvements you mentioned a bunch of the common deficiencies. So like, what are some of the best supplementation programs that people are using to optimize their endurance? So it really depends. We have a collaboration or partnership with Goo Energy Labs, which is how we got connected. And they ended up developing a handful of supplements based on the learnings from their athletes. They had been recommending magnesium and vitamin D and a probiotic. And they were recommending that their athletes, you know, go buy them from other brands. And they said, you know, this is great. We have research that suggests that these are some of the most common deficiencies. Let's help address it. So those are three of the areas that we most commonly see a need to supplement. So again, it's vitamin D, magnesium, and probiotic. Another common one would be iron or your ferritin level being low. And so those are four of the most commonly recommended supplements that our program will suggest. Yeah, and something else that I really liked in the test was the C-reactive protein and the mm -hmm. inflammation. And a lot of times people have no idea what that number is. And food can reduce or increase your inflammation as well. Definitely. Yeah, so you work with all different types of athletes, from endurance athletes to strength athletes. Is there a group that you've noticed is healthier than another, or is it still so individual? Yeah, it's super individual. Generally, we see that athletes are healthier than non-athletes. I think that that's sort of intuitive. But yeah, we just see different trends within different groups. So the strength and power athletes, CrossFit athletes, for example, generally their lipids are a little more out of whack. Many of them are following a paleo diet or they're not eating enough carbohydrates for whatever reason. And this shows up in their blood work and impacts their ability to recover appropriately. Whereas endurance athletes are often seeing higher inflammation levels. They have lower iron levels based on the demands of endurance or, or running in particular. 
we have a lot of data on comparing, for example, testosterone levels across certain groups. One of the things that we do internally, we have a handful of data scientists on our team, and they're always researching within our own database, anonymously, of course. But we believe we have the largest database of healthy people that exists in the world, which allows us to learn from it and improve our own platform based on the data that we have. And so, for example, last fall, we published a paper looking at the impact of our platform. Basically, does it work? And what are the biggest learnings or takeaways that we can discover from it? And so, for example, we have a reporting tool where you can tell us what you're doing from an intervention standpoint. And based on if you're following our recommendations and seeing progress in certain areas, then we can know what are the best interventions in terms of you know, what works. So for example, we can see that for most people, eating oatmeal is probably the best thing that you can do on a daily basis. And that's validated within the data. Why oatmeal? It addresses so many different areas that we commonly see as high or low. So glucose, cholesterol, those are both impacted by adding oatmeal on a daily basis. And we're able to see that if you do that on a daily basis, it has a substantial impact on those values. And you mentioned earlier that CrossFit athletes tend to have higher lipid profiles because they are eating more of a paleo diet. Is that because they're eating a lot of fat? It's because they're eating a lot more meat and a lot less of the whole grain. It's more so the whole grains that they're not eating, you know, things like bread and pasta and rice and things that have a positive impact on improving LDL cholesterol levels are often excluded from the paleo diet. So again, whole grains. And often our recommendation is to incorporate more of that into your diet. So within that group, we often see a combination of, in men, high LDL, high cortisol, and lower testosterone, which suggests they're not getting enough carbohydrates and not doing what they can to maximize from a recovery standpoint. So you may experience fatigue or injury or you know a lack of desire to train if those are the values that you're experiencing. And often the intervention is eat more whole grains. So there is retesting. So people can like take their blood test and then they get dietary recommendations. And I'd like to point out that you actually can enter in what type of diet you eat, and then it makes recommendations based on that. And then you have the opportunity to retest. So my question is, and this is something that I struggle with a little bit mentally, is a blood test is a snapshot in time. And maybe you can enlighten me a little bit as to like how much your blood work can shift. So like if you wake up one morning and like you didn't eat as healthy the day before, or you did a really hard workout and you're dehydrated, like how much can that actually change the results of your blood work? Because like, what if you did all those things and then your test kind of comes out with false positives or false negatives, and then you start optimizing to fix that particular test, and then it ends up that you overdid it or you underdid it? So it's a good question. We have a handful of metrics that are more acutely variable and some that are that don't change in the short term. And so what we do is we calibrate the ones that change short term with the ones that don't change short term. So for example, we just added hemoglobin A1C, which is a 90 to 120 day average of your glucose levels, which we also test. So 
we test glucose and now A1C. So we're able to see glucose looks at a more, like I said, more acute reading versus A1C is the last three to four months. We look at some other areas that are, that have similar groupings like the liver enzymes and inflammation that peak 48 to 72 hours post-exercise. So we can look at five to six metrics as a way to understand, did you just hit a hard workout or are you approaching overtraining? And so each of these values plays into, you know, if somebody needs additional support, we can get on the phone and chat through it with them and, and you know, how, how are you feeling? What was your training like this past week? And if training is normal and there was no, you know, 25 mile long run or five hour session or something like that, and everything is massively elevated, then it's more of a, you know, let's look at dialing training back versus, okay, maybe you just blasted a, a Saturday workout and today is Tuesday and your liver enzymes are elevated, but everything else looks normal. Your testosterone's fine. Your cortisol is fine. Your CK or creatine kinase, which is an indicator of muscle health, maybe that's fine too. Then it's just reflecting that you went really hard recently, but you're not overdoing it. So we have all these different metrics that help calibrate based on what you've done recently and some of the more long-term related metrics. Okay, so some of those are for like acute training load and then some of them are for like overtraining. Exactly. And when you look at it all together, it's more of a, a higher level look versus, you know, if you just looked at ALT, which is a liver enzyme, it might be high. And sometimes you want it to be high. The whole point of training is stress, rest, repeat. And if you don't stress, you never get the adaptations, you never improve. So the whole basis of, you know, how do I get better is work really hard, work easy, work really hard, work easy, repeat. And if you're not doing the work really hard part, then you're not going to see that progress. And so sometimes that hard work shows up with elevated values. So we often suggest testing during peak training, because if you look perfectly optimal in peak training, you're probably not training hard enough to get the the adaptations that you might be looking for. If you're looking to PR, you're looking to maximize performance. If you're just training for, for fitness purposes, totally fine. That's a different story. Whereas if you do a test, you know, in the off season or in base training or, you know, post race, two or three weeks later, you don't want to be pretty trashed. You want to see optimal levels at that point. So you can look at it within the context of, okay, what did I do recently? Or you can time it as a baseline test or read on how do things look when you're training really hard. Yeah, I like this point because I think that a lot of people want their tests to come back showing that they're like amazingly healthy and that they're doing everything right. And it's similar to if you're doing like a physiology test or like an FTP test in, in cycling You want to test so that you get your best result back. But oftentimes, depending on the types of tests, especially in, I'm kind of going a little bit off topic, but if you're doing a really good physiology test that's assessing all of your different systems, like your heart rate and your blood oxygen level and your exercising muscles and your respiratory system, like whenever your system is taxed or fatigued, you're actually going to be able to tease out what your weaknesses are a lot better and a lot easier than if you were to test something at your optimal, optimal level. 
And I, I think that your results aren't like an indicator if you're a good or a bad athlete. And I think all of us, including myself, like I can get too hung up on that too. Like, well, I don't want to test if I'm going to have a bad result. So for Inside Tracker, my last test I did, well, I just did one a few days ago and I'm, I'm excited to hear the results. But so I did Cape Epic, which is, I think it was eight days, an eight day mountain bike stage race in South Africa. And it's like over 30 hours of racing in a week. And I called you up and I said, Hey, like, I want to do this test when I'm at my absolute worst. Like, so I flew back, uh, the race ended like two, three days later. Like I spent two days on an airplane traveling. I landed at night the next morning I got up and I did my test. Right. And it was kind of fun. Cause I said, well, I want to see like what a worst case scenario looks like. Cause you're going to have like the worst case, but it was also really cool to see that for me, it wasn't too dramatically different than some of my other tests because we all have a recovery program as well, like things that you do after the race. And there are things that you can do that even help mitigate inflammation and some of these overtraining symptoms just days later. Definitely. Yeah. And that's the thing. People always ask us, you know, what happens if my results are perfect? And the answer is great. Train harder. And you'll be the first person that's ever had perfect results. So I, I think that's a good point. And to see where you're at when you're at this maximum stress standpoint is great. It's a good way to understand like where are your limits from a physiological standpoint? And then what do you do to facilitate recovery? So we've had a lot of athletes test. This past weekend was uh, Western States. And so last year we had five athletes test day two and day five post-race as a way to look at recovery and just how trashed were they. And these athletes made decisions on the rest of their year based on how they recovered or weren't recovering after this super hard effort. And so there's the subjective, I feel good or I feel bad. And then there's the data that says you're trashed or you're recovering as as expected. A couple of years ago, I tested after the Boston Marathon and I had a bad race and felt awful and the data was really bad. And after it, I still wasn't recovering as expected. So I ended up taking 20 days off of running altogether, which is really hard to do unless you have objective values that are suggesting you do this. And it helped me rule out running another marathon later that spring. I was like, oh, yeah, I, I ran a slower effort than I was planning. I'm fit. Maybe I can just get, you know, hop in another race. The data was suggesting that had I done that, I would have put myself into a deeper and deeper hole, given what some of the values looked like. And so instead of instead of racing again, I focused entirely on recovery and getting back to it. And because of that, I'm in a much better place now. And I've seen progress in ways that I couldn't even imagine after making that data-informed decision. What are some good recovery tips that you have seen kind of as a trend amongst a lot of your athletes once they've gotten some of this uh, information? So in terms of foods or recovery modalities that work uh, really well? Both, because I'm, I'm sure that both affect your blood work. Yeah, so there's... Selenium is a nutrient that aids in the recovery process, and Brazil nuts are one of the best sources of that. So one Brazil nut has 100% of your RDA of that nutrient. So our dietitians often recommend people add that when they're training particularly hard, especially, I believe that it's aids in inflammation. And then nuts in general 
help with the liver enzymes, which are also related to recovery. Outside of that, you know, hydration is important. Sleep is really the best intervention when it comes to recovery. You know, if you're sleeping seven hours a night on average, maybe try nine post-race. You know, if you're not running, you have a little bit more or training or biking or whatever, you have a little bit more time in your day. Instead of, you know, staying up later or waking up at the same time, sleep in during what you would normally be training through. And that can lead to much better recovery for sure. Where does sleep deprivation or just not getting enough sleep show up in the blood work? Testosterone and cortisol for sure. Even, you know, a couple of days worth of a lack of sleep can impact both levels. We've seen some research on catch-up sleep on the weekends being effective. Napping is an amazing tool if you're able to do it, even, you know, just on weekends. We're pining for nap pods here in the office. <laughs> it won't happen, but <laughs> I mean, stuff like that. Sleep is not sexy and it's not active and it's not flashy. And so people are always looking for these flashy recovery modalities that cost a bunch of money and stuff like that. And before doing any of that, if you're not sleeping eight hours a night, none of it's going to be as impactful as appropriate sleep. Okay. Yeah, that's super interesting, especially knowing that napping can make a difference. For sure. Okay. So I like some of those tips. In terms of endurance athletes in general, you mentioned some like people are deficient in vitamin D, like someone can be deficient in iron. For endurance athletes, does there appear to be an optimal diet? I know this is like a super loaded question and there there isn't going to be a right answer, but I'd love to hear just what you guys have seen in the data if there's or just a general trend in what people should be eating. Like eating more carbohydrates or eating like keto or eating plant-based or if, if there's anything that you've seen that's been more optimal? I mean, if you had to prescribe a name of a diet based on what we most commonly recommend, it would be closest to the Mediterranean diet. Fish, whole grains, healthy fats, plenty of carbohydrates, lean meats and things like that, nuts, seeds, berries, all that good stuff. Those are recommendations that show up a lot within our platform. Again, we don't follow or suggest any specific diet as a one-size-fits-all solution. And it's really all about understanding the impact on each individual. So some people thrive on a plant-based diet. Other people can't get their iron levels up through supplementation while on a plant-based diet. So for some, eating one way works. And for others, that same way will not work. And so I think the one-size-fits-all approach is uh, dated and, you know, in the past. And it's all now about finding out, you know, what do you feel good doing? What do you feel good about eating and deciding to eat from a sustainability standpoint, from, a, you know, all that good stuff as well, and figuring out how that fits into your life. And then using this objective data to tweak it and understand, you know, where are the holes and what can be filled through diet and what needs to be filled through supplementation. I noticed that you mentioned once per quarter whenever you're talking about some of your athletes. And mm -hmm. myself, like I'm a total like geek when it comes to science. And whenever I see my blood test, I want to eat a food and then do a blood test again the next day to see if it changed. <laughs> yeah. So what advice do you have for people who are like me who want to, because it's not really good to be drawing blood all the time, who want to be right. able to see if it actually works or not? 
So our customers test on average every seven months and somewhere around two or three times a year, I think is optimal from a cost efficiency, but also utility standpoint. If you're looking for peak performance, doing a baseline mid-season, end of season, off-season type test works. Often people will you know, have two little mini seasons within their year, so you could do something around that. But really understanding baseline, mid-season, end of season type time frame is I think best if performance is the goal. Again, if, if health and longevity is the goal, you can do it twice a year and, and get away with it that way as well. And I noticed that you have an inner age test. Can you talk about that a bit? Sure. So inner age is what we've created to be your internal or biological age as compared to what's on your license. So we're not saying, you know, you'll live five years longer or die five years earlier, but instead say, based on the decisions you're making on a daily basis, you're you're adding years or you're subtracting years. And so the highest weighted value in this is glucose. And so consistently optimized glucose levels indicates one of the, the best or is one of the best indicators of longevity. And we see that 82% of Americans have elevated glucose levels. So it's a concern for most. So most people are sort of giving away years when they could instead be adding years. And so what that calculation does is it gives you a nice objective or quantitative way to track progress. You know, are you going in the right direction as time goes on? Like I said, it's not to say you know, you're gonna live 3.8 years longer, or, you know, whatever but rather are you moving in the right direction as you get older? What can people do to optimize their glucose? So again, it depends on your current diet. We most commonly recommend more fiber. A garlic supplement is another one that we recommend. Psyllium husk is a type of fiber that, that you can add in as well. It's considered a supplement, but it's food. You can put in oatmeal, you can put it in smoothies. There are a handful of other, other things that we recommend related to glucose as well. What's been the lowest inner age you guys have seen? Like, cause mine, whenever I look at it, it's like 12 years younger than my current age. But like, are people getting inner ages of like 13 or anything like that? <laughs> so the lowest possible is 18. And one of our employees a couple of years ago was consistently 18.2. And he was at the time, I believe 30 years old or 31. And he had one of the best inner ages in, in our entire database. And he, he had tested a lot. He was doing a lot of these, you know, quantified self type experiments. And he was able to get that value down through some of the self experimentation. And, you know, he was leaner than he was in high school, and he had more energy than he did, you know, ever in his life. And the subjective feelings that he experienced matched with what the objective data was showing. So it was super cool. We have a handful of athletes that are also in that same range, but the average, I believe, is about five years older. Hmm, interesting. And that's just from the glucose. Or are there other things that are being considered? Yeah, so it's glucose, vitamin D, HSCRP, so inflammation, ALT, liver enzyme. And for men, it's testosterone. And for women, it's DHEAS, which is a female sex hormone. And then we also take into account activity level, and we'll also be adding in resting heart rate once we incorporate some wearable devices into the platform as well. So it'll be cool to get some insights around resting heart rate and what you can do from a diet and lifestyle standpoint to improve that. And PS, sleep is, is one of them. Are you also going to be looking at HRV from these wearable devices? 
maybe one day down the road. Right now we're starting with sleep, activity tracking, and resting heart rate. Yeah, I had the CEO of Whoop on my show and I've been experimenting with it. Like I still am not 100% sold that it's, you know, the do end all be all for wearable devices. But I really like it for sleep tracking because what I found interesting was that even though you might be asleep, like, or you say, I'm, I'm going to be in bed from like 10 to 6 or 10 to 7. I'm in bed for 8 to 9 hours and I'm a, I think I'm asleep. You're actually not asleep that whole time. And right. the quality of that sleep isn't, isn't the same. So I, I wish that there was a way to actually, as I mentioned earlier, get more real-time results from your lifestyle choices with the blood work to see, like, okay, if I tweak it just a little bit this way, what happens? But I'm guessing that some of these changes in your blood work aren't going to show up in a blood test as quickly as you would think. Yeah. And so that's why we're adding some of the physiological monitoring data. So, you know, let's say you make, you pick boost or improve sleep as your goal. There are biomarkers that are related to improving sleep quality, magnesium, vitamin D, et cetera, that you don't necessarily want to retest, you know, a week later, or a month later or whatever. But if you start adding some of these nutrients into your diet or supplement routine and you see an improvement in sleep quality measured through you know, Fitbit or Garmin or, or Whoop, that's the objective data that we're looking for that will validate the interventions that you're incorporating. So we want to be able to say, okay, you've chosen improved sleep as your goal. These levels are low. Here are some interventions. And... A week later, we can say, oh, look, your sleep quality is better over the last week. Keep it up. Or here are some other things that you can do because it hasn't improved yet. Yeah, something I think that's pretty cool online. So you get your your uh, results, but then you can set a goal. And I'm looking at it right now, and I'll just read them off for people. Goals can be overall health, stress, aging, metabolism, energy, sleep, Injury prevention and recovery, strength and power, heart health, endurance, immunity, and cognition. And you can actually like change up what your goal is and it'll take the same blood test. It'll tweak the same ranges and recommendations. The one that I think is really interesting in this list is cognition. So can you give people some general tips on how to improve their cognition using lifestyle and nutrition? Yeah. So again, it gets back to the related biomarkers. So I believe Again, vitamin D is one of those. Vitamin B12 is another. And there are, I think, three or four other cortisol, uh, three or four others that are related to cognition and brain function and all that good stuff. So it just comes down to, you know, seeing where those levels are at and, and how to modify. One of the common themes here is we keep getting back to vitamin D. We see it being related to so many different areas. And like I said, so many people are low in this value. So it comes down to figuring out, you know, what you need to improve and seeing how many different areas it can impact. So you might choose cognition as your goal or you might choose sleep as your goal or whatever, but you're going to be impacting other areas as well. And so what we're trying to highlight is that everything is is linked. And while you're focusing on athletic performance or recovery or whatever, it's going to be impacting your health and your longevity and all that good stuff as well. The company itself didn't start, and I'm sort of sort of like a wide answer to this question, but the company didn't start with the goal of helping elite athletes squeeze out an extra 1% in their performance. The mission of the company is to help all humans improve 
life through a personalized approach and improve quality of life and longevity through this personalized approach. And we found that you know athletes need this and athletes want this and athletes are willing to pay for this and then actually you know make the changes necessary to see results on the athletic side of things. And then you know you get these benefits on the health and longevity side that are sort of like bonuses or or side effects. So that's a long way to say that it comes back to looking at the specific biomarkers that are related to that goal as a way to to improve, you know, cognition, for example. I saw that Inside Tracker has a scientific advisory board and that uh, David Sinclair from Harvard has, is on that advisory board. Can you talk about the advisory board a little bit and then about some of the people who help you guys optimize the research and the things that you're doing? Yeah, so David Sinclair, Time Magazine has tagged him as one of the 50 most influential people in the world when it comes to health and longevity. And so our scientific advisory board is is made up of some of the brightest minds in the health, performance, and longevity side of things or in that world. And what's cool about this group is they're not just, you know, faces on a on a web page, but they're actively involved in the company on a day-to-day or week-to-week basis. Whereas a lot of people who are you know, labeled as advisors for a company. They just put their name on a company and, you know, the company benefits from having their name. But we're benefiting from their many, many years of expertise in their in their fields. We have Roger Fielding who's who's known as one of the, you know, the brightest minds in the nutrition world. He's, you know, one of ten of these types of people that we have working with our team. And so they've helped us shape the direction of the company. They've helped us pinpoint where to look from a research standpoint, from a product development standpoint, from, you know, hey, I have this. Many of them are professors. And so they send us some of their best students as interns for our team. So we have a, a lot of interns that have come from this group from Harvard, Tufts and MIT. Being based here in Cambridge, it's uh, it's sort of the hub of innovation and nutrition in the country. And so these scientific advisors are not only contributing their own expertise, but they're contributing some of the the smartest people around that are, you know, in their classrooms as well. That's pretty awesome from a credibility standpoint for Inside Tracker. There's a lot of different companies out there and kind of this collecting biomarkers and create collecting data and then analyzing data for a large scale population. It seems that that's a really big thing of our time in the last even five years. You know, Trainer Roads, the company, you know, they, in cycling, they, and, and also in triathlon and running, they provide training plans and then you can use their platform to train and then they can collect data. So they actually have a lot of data to draw from whenever creating training, effective training plans. A company like Whoop that has so much sleep data and workout data and just looking at people's heart rates, like that's a massive amount of data. A company like you guys, like I'm wondering what it's going to look like in five more years with all of this data and what we're going to do with it because it's it's pretty interesting because it, I actually asked somebody, I think it was the CEO of Whoop, about why did you decide to start this company instead of deciding to go get a PhD in this topic that you're so interested in and doing funded research in the lab? And I know that it's really different looking at 
large scale populations and, and making suggestions and correlations as opposed to doing, you know, a placebo double blind controlled study in the lab. But being able to collect all this information is kind of powerful. Totally. You mentioned publishing papers and academic research versus a for-profit company. So our founder had that same thought 10 years ago. He said he was in the lab uh, at the time and he said, I can continue down this research path and you know publish a couple of papers that a bunch of scientists will read, or I can start a company that will impact you know, hundreds of millions of people or billions of people is, is actually his goal, our goal. And he chose the latter. He said, I want to create a product that has the potential to have mass impact versus, you know, publishing academic papers that a few people read. Both are essential. He just wanted to be part of the latter, not the former. We use the former. So people who are publishing these papers to drive all of the recommendations within the platform. But he wants to be the one that brings that science to the masses and helps all of us use that science and and understand that science and translate it into, okay, eat this food X number of times a week based on you and your needs. Yeah. And I also wonder if there's a negative side to it as well, like what the, you know, the opposite side would say of, well, you shouldn't be making these these generalizations without some sort of like control group. Have you guys heard anything or any types of criticisms or arguments on that side? Yeah, we get a lot of criticism. We love skeptics. And the whole basis of our platform is it's validated by science. So anytime there's a skeptic, we can always point them to an answer somewhere because we don't do anything that's not validated by science. So people have a lot of opinions on whether certain foods are useful or certain diets are useful. <laughs> Um, we don't have opinions. We have we have opinions, but we don't make decisions based on opinions. Every decision that we make as a company is based on data and based on science. And that's sort of our guiding principle with anything that we do, whether it's a business-related decision or a science-related decision. It's all guided by data. And now I'm going to be obnoxious and, and take this a step further because the things I try and be the same way, but people will argue, well, the studies that you're looking at actually aren't valid studies because there's so many wrong studies out there. Like, how do you respond to those types of arguments? So the way that our system works is it's a big data warehouse of PubMed research studies. And to go one step further to say that opinions don't drive decisions, the way that a study gets into our recommendation engine is one researcher sees the study uh, does their research, does their reads through it, et cetera, they have to have it approved by a second person before it gets put into the platform. So there's sort of a two-step process for every single study that goes into the platform. So it's reviewed by two different people and approved before anybody on the consumer side can see it. And that being said, we're, we're always researching, we're always adding new studies into the platform. We have thousands of different rules and recommendations that you can see, and we're, we're always updating them to make them better. But as you said, there are always critics, and people will say, the biggest feedback we get is, you know, my doctor said I don't need this, or I feel fine, or, you know, stuff like that. And it just gets back to, okay, some people just simply don't want to know or 
they're afraid of what they'll learn or like I said, many physicians will say this is frivolous testing or you're testing too much or you're going to highlight something that isn't a problem and then someone will think it's a problem. But again, our research gets back to everything that we test for is related to longevity, health, performance, recovery, sleep, mood, etc. And it's all been validated time and time again. And I think this is a good time to make a point about physicians. Like we definitely need physicians. We definitely need drugs. But physicians are trained very specifically um, in, in certain parts of your blood work, right? So some of the longevity or nutritional recommendations, especially for athletes, might be out of the wheelhouse of expertise of physicians. And I know this is especially true in nutrition because many physicians don't actually get, some of them receive no nutritional training in medical school. So we always look at physicians and we assign them as the know-all, be-all of everything. And certainly there's lots of things that they know and lots of recommendations that are incredibly important, but some physicians will claim to know things that they actually don't know and make recommendations whenever they totally. don't have a deep knowledge like what you're saying. Right. Yeah. And, and we always recommend getting nutrition advice from a dietitian versus a physician. But if you're sick, you go to a physician because that's what they're an expert in. And the physician-patient relationship is changing. And people see them as this expert resource that knows everything. But a good physician knows when they should answer a question or when they should pivot or, or punt to somebody else. And more and more, this idea of concierge medicine is popping up. And so we have a handful of partners that are that we're exploring with a handful of partners where it's a group of physicians that does you know, concierge medicine or telehealth or things like that because people want this one-stop shop, but that single resource doesn't know everything and they need additional resources to help in certain areas and sort of stay in your lane, but you know when to make recommendations to other people based on who's an expert and what needs answering. Yeah, and this is like a slightly, you know, off-topic conversation, but I think creating an environment where physicians are allowed to say I don't know because I'm sure that there's a lot of pressure because people go to their physician where they expect their physician to know everything and for the physician to say I don't know, well, that's hard to do whenever someone expects you to know everything in terms of even your credibility, like you're worried that your patient will stop believing that you actually know what you're talking about. And I, I think that some of that can be addressed from the system of allowing that I don't know to pop up in the conversation. Definitely. And that's true anywhere, whether it's going to a chiro or going to a PT or going to a dietitian or whatever. Saying I don't know is fine. And as long as you can either get an answer or point someone in the right direction, that's the mark of a good healthcare professional, not someone who makes something up to try and you know, save face. So the last thing I want to talk about is the DNA testing. I think that you guys have a, so people can upload their DNA tests that they've done. I haven't actually done a DNA test yet. And part of it is because, I don't know, I'm afraid to know some of the things because what if you it shows you that you're prone to X disease and then you start thinking about it all the time. And I kind of feel like if you start thinking about something all the time, it's going to happen. And I know that's like kind of, a funny or superstitious thing, but what has been your experience at Inside Tracker with DNA testing? 
So we don't look at anything disease related. So it's all focused on health and wellness and, and performance. What we do is allow for an import of 23andMe or Ancestry.com data that then creates a report either on its own or merged with blood and genetic information to provide a bit of a higher level insight into you know what should you focus more on. So let's say you're at risk for high cholesterol, but you don't currently have high cholesterol, so maybe you should pay a little bit more attention to it because it's potentially a problem down the road versus maybe it's not a risk for you and your cholesterol is not a problem, so you don't need to pay attention to it. For me, I have an elevated risk of low magnesium levels, and that matches with the blood work of often having low magnesium levels if I'm not consistent with supplementation. So for me, I know that I need to be consistent with magnesium supplementation. At this time, the information or the guidance that's provided is it's interesting, but as time goes on, it will become much more effective and much more powerful given some of the research that we have and some of the projects that we're working on on the science and innovation side of things. So there's definitely more to come with us related to genetics. Much of our scientific advisory board's area of expertise is aging and genetics. So that's really the core competency of some of those people. And their knowledge and expertise is steering where where we focus. It just hasn't shown up on the product side that's available for consumers just yet. So definitely more to come in that department. I think that this is all really cool because it kind of allows the person, the individual to get into the driver's seat and take responsibility for their health. And I mean, I don't know if if this is new. It seems like it's new, but it might be because I was too young, you know, before the big boom of the internet and all those things to really be concerned with my health. But it's pretty cool to have access to all of this data and all of this information as athletes, as human beings, to take responsibility for your own health and then to be able to monitor it on your own. Definitely. Our mission is to help people take control of their health. And there is no better feeling than being in control of something that important. And we want to help people make better decisions around their day-to-day lives. That's awesome. That's, well, where can people find more information about Inside Tracker? And if they have any questions, maybe there's a question that I didn't ask if they have in their minds, where can they ask that? Yeah, so InsideTracker.com. And we have a live chat available pretty much all the time. If it's not there, you know, leave your email and we'll follow up. Our Instagram is pretty informative. We have a few, we do a Myth Busting Monday. We, we have a few other weekly features on our Instagram stories that are aimed at being informative. And we share a lot of facts about nutrition on there, but also with the goal of keeping it relevant for athletes and the average consumer or the average uh, person interested in their health. So we're on there. It's Inside Tracker on all forms of social media. And feel free to reach out, whether it's on the live chat or, or sending us a DM or whatever it might be. And sorry, I wanted to ask if there's anything that I've missed that you get in your live chat, like a question that's frequently asked that I did not ask. Yeah, a big question is, there are a handful of them, but people are often wondering, you know, when is the best time to do it? You know, should I do it in this type of training or should I eat really well and then do it? Best time to start is, we like to say, it's always tomorrow. Uh, the reason it's not, because 
it's a 12 hour fasted test. So you, you got to fast overnight and then you can do it tomorrow. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. And I'm really excited about all of this information. And even though I've been using Inside Tracker, I still learn stuff just from talking to you on this podcast. So thank you so much. Definitely. And thanks so much for having me on and putting out such great information all the time. Wow, that was a lot of information. And I hope that you guys found a lot of useful things that you can start applying. And I hope you actually do the test. I'd love to hear what you think. Share the show with your friends, take a screenshot. I love it whenever people post on their Instagram stories saying what their key takeaways were from the podcast. And it also helps me shape my interview questions whenever I know what you guys are looking for and what you value the most. Thanks so much for listening to the show. Really, really appreciate that you're here. You guys are just the best community I could ask for. And I am just so thankful that you are part of it. So I hope you have an awesome day. Wishing you all the best success in your training and adventures. I hope to see you soon and we'll see you back here next week.